Welcome to Wednesday's Inside of Bob Brooks. I'm Steve Brooks. Thanks for joining me today. And today I am joined by one of our esteemed attorneys. Lawrence, you want to introduce yourself? I'm Lawrence Oden. I'm one of the associate attorneys here and I'm fortunate to be working with this Yeah, well, yeah. Lawrence is a, when he joined the firm, it's the first time I've had a colleague that I can look straight in the eye. Because Lawrence is a big guy. How tall are you, Lawrence? About 6'7", Steve. Yeah, yeah so we're about the same height. Yeah, I'm 6'6", six, six, he's 6'7", six, so he's, uh, I enjoy having somebody around. Not only is he big in stature, but he's big in brains. He's got a good head. And we've enjoyed having him here. Thank you, Steve. So, what, uh, what caused you to go into law? Well, actually, I always had a kind of a rebellious side. And I, it actually, I was one of these kids that, even though I followed the rules, I always questioned why we had these rules. And it just led me in that path. Um, I wanted to, to do something that was challenging. And each day, um, it's, it's definitely a, a challenge. Each day is a new day with different issues, different clients, um, different fact patterns. It's just, uh, it, it keeps it light in my book. What is, what is, let me ask you this. What is your favorite thing about being an attorney, specifically a personal entity? Well, first and foremost, it's helping people that need you more than, than anything. It's, it's the human connection. It's the bond with the person. Literally, these people come to you with a problem that they can't solve, and they've tried to solve sometimes on their own with a big insurance company that keeps on telling them no, no, no when the insurance company should be telling them, yes, we understand, you know, we understand you're hurt, but you know, the insurance company takes the approach of uh, delay and deny and they, they reach out to, to us and we're their, we're their protector. We're, we're the only thing between, the only thing to assist them in getting justice. So it makes, makes me feel very, uh, very proud about what we do. Yeah, in many cases, sometimes we're the only difference between financial security and financial insecurity. Yes, sir. And to be able to make that bridge from financial insecurity when you're tragically injured, you lose your job, you lose your way to make money, and you got all these medical bills piling up, to be able to make a difference in those people's lives is one of the most rewarding things that I can imagine as a professional attorney. Yes, sir. When I first started practicing law, I was a business attorney, corporate attorney, mm -hmm. and I would do a great job. I felt like I'd do a great job. And then I would almost have to fight my clients to pay me. So the gratitude wasn't there. Mm -hmm. In this field, in personal injury, man, you make such a huge difference. I mean... Absolutely. You're making friends for life, Steve. I yeah. mean, these people, these folks, every Christmas, you get... Christmas card from these folks. They call you out of the blue. They don't call you just necessarily for, hey, I have a new problem or I have a friend that has a new problem. It's, hey, Lawrence, hey, Steve, how are you doing? Um, you, you get it all the time. I mean, you, you've been practicing for, for a long time. It's been 20 years for me, and, and I have friends, true friends, that, that started out as clients. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. So, you know what? Uh... What I wanted to talk to you about, I understand you're a motorcycle rider. Oh, I'm a motorcycle fanatic. Yes. So tell tell the tell the crew about that. Well, it's it's 
it's pretty straightforward. My, my dad was a car person. Um, I grew up pretty much in a, in a, I was born in 74. So during that time in the, in my first memories, my dad was driving around muscle cars and I just wanted to do something different. I thought well, if you're young and, and, um, I had been around cars so long that motorcycling was something totally new and unique to me. And you have this perception of the freedom of the open road. Um, the, the, um, aspects of the balance and leaning into a curve. You don't get that in a, in a car. Um, so at 23, I went to Harley Davidson and popped down some, some hard earned money that I had made from working two jobs, ordered a motorcycle. And, uh, it was a huge, uh, financial decision for, for a young guy, um, fresh out of college. That was a, that was a big thing. Um, I remember to this day, I had a lot of fond memories of, of my initial motorcycle. And I remember going out on the road, um, for the first time. And I, I can tell you that I had these white knuckle moments cause I was holding onto the handlebars for, for uh, dear life. But uh, you just get more comfortable as, as time goes on. So uh, are you a Harley guy? Oh, for and for, if you, if you cut my arm, I would bleed orange and black. I am, am Harley Davidson through and through, but I, I have an appreciation for, for other motorcycles. I, I, I like Indians, I've, I've seen other, other bikes. My preference is Harley Davidson because I like the product. Um, I also like the people that Harley Davidson brings me brings yes. me around. But I've represented motorcyclists that ride all all kinds of different um, makes and, and models. But uh, personally, yes, Harley Davidson is my all time favorite. So do you ride one of those bikes with the handlebars way up here? I do. Actually, as tall as what I am, if you put a regular size human being, you know, the, the guy that's five foot, you know, uh, eight on my motorcycle, he would say that handlebars are up here. For me, they're actually uh, leveled to your to your uh, shoulders. In fact, there's a lot in Florida that you have to have um, handlebars that are shoulder height and, and not above. So I, I'm, I I ride responsibly, but yes, I have I have a full dresser a, 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 and limited is what they call it, a black one uh, with high handlebars simply because it, it fits me well. Same thing with the seat. I actually made the seat go back a little bit further so I wasn't so cramped up with my legs on the floorboards. So don't your arms get tired? You know? You'd be surprised when you're when you're driving a car. Um, typically, most people are at, at 9 and 3, 10 and 2. And they usually have their arms fairly straight out in front of them. We're not talking about over your shoulders. We're just talking about a, a comfortable position. So, yeah, it's pretty much like the standard driving of a, of a vehicle. Okay, gotcha. So, um, you know, one thing about motorcycles is the difference between a motorcycle and a car is if you're in an accident, you don't have the protection of the, the body of the car, your metal surrounding you and a seat belt and, and all that stuff. So um, there's kind of a trade-off when you're riding a motorcycle in terms of the freedom you get, the feeling of being out there flowing through air. You potentially give up some safety features. So how do you, how do you square that in your head? For me, it was really simple. Life is short. Um, 
you you have to seize the moment. I would rather live my life um, doing the things I want instead of living in a bubble, living in a vacuum. If we, and again, safety is important. We, we stress safety in, in all the things that we do. We go after unsafe drivers. We go on after people that are doing things that are unsafe, causing other people harm all the time. That in mind, I realize that I'm putting myself at risk by riding a motorcycle or greater degree at risk. But I can't justify not riding a motorcycle with whatever potential um, positives of, you know, not putting myself in a, in a situation. Motorcycling has brought me great joy and I hope it continues to bring me great joy. And I, I try my best not only to be a good motorcyclist as in regards to what I'm doing, but I also am as alert as I can be as to what my surroundings are, what's going around my surroundings. I give others a lot more space than I what I may normally So you go the extra step to be extra careful. Yes. Yes, I think so. So I really love your answer. And that's what I love about motorcycle people. Motorcycle people are some of the most genuine down-to-earth people you will ever meet. And sometimes I think they get a bad rap, you know, because they may have a lot of tattoos or earrings. But when you when you talk to motorcycle people, they are people that seize life. I mean, they are, like you said, enjoy that moment. But they're also very nice and grounded people. Yes. So they're people you want to be around. They, they have Absolutely. all these traffic qualities. That, that they're not boring people, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's attractive to me about the motorcycle community is the people. Sure, and sure. People are dynamic and just fun to be around. And, and you know, Steve, we, we meet people that are that, that are the stereotypical motorcycle enthusiasts or bikers or whatever terminology we I've met plenty of people, and so have you, that are just regular nine to fivers that just enjoy motorcycling, don't have a tattoo or a piercing or anything on them, and you would never even think that they were a motorcycle enthusiast until you actually got into a conversation with them. That's true, but I guess what I'm saying is it's, um, you know, I, I, I've been around some motorcycle people in the recent mm -hmm. years because we sponsor some motorcycle events, and, and um, you know, I'm actually looking at potentially buying a bike. I hope you do. Yeah. If it's the right choice for you, yes, yeah. sir. But... I, I just have enjoyed meeting the people in that community. Sure. And it makes me realize how, why that community is so attractive. Because the people are so neat. Uh, they're so dynamic. And the interesting thing is, in, in these communities, even though the community is large, the motorcycle group itself is so small that everybody almost knows everybody. It almost becomes like an extended family of, of people that share the same same joy, the same hobby. So well, I want you to make a commitment to me. And what is that? The commitment is I'm a member of this motorcycle club called ABATU. Yes, sir. Have you heard of it? Actually, if my commitment is to join, guess what? I already have. Okay. No, the commitment is to look up the next event here in Polk County and make sure you and I go Fair enough. 
Okay. So that, because uh, I want, I want to get involved. Okay. And um, so you let me know today when that is. Will do. And get it on my calendar. So, um, do you, do you have a bike now? You own a bike? I, I have multiples. How many? I, I quit counting. Some of them are more projects. Uh, I, I can go through a, a, the litany. My, my newest one is my 14. I I still have my 99 Harley Davidson that I bought when I was 23. It was my first bike. I have a, a 79. And I started getting into really old motorcycles. So I have a, a 46 uh, Harley Davidson. It's, it's called an FL. Uh, it's also named Knucklehead as a, as a nickname. One of the first overhead valve production motorcycles that they came up with. Also have a 52 Panhead and, and a couple others. So I, I've been collecting pretty hot, hot and heavy for a number of years. Too. So are motorcycles like cars now and that they're hard to come by? I mean, Actually, no. I don't think the motorcycles are nearly as bad as the cars because it's not a chip issue anymore. But Harley did actually, and I can't speak for the other manufacturers, but Harley Davidson at one time was in super was super saturated with a lot of production because of COVID and a number of other factors. They've actually ramped down production, so hopefully the used motorcycle market is a little bit stronger than what it was which is not good for a, a guy that's going to potentially buy one. Um, but for a guy that, that has a couple of motorcycles and wants to divest, it's a good time to probably sell. Right. So I know from talking with you, you're, you're not only a good personal injury attorney, but you love to represent motorcycle drivers that are injured in accidents. Sure. Tell me about a motorcycle case. What, what makes that more exciting for you more? Or something that you well, even though I even though all my clients want I want to help and I put my all into every one of my cases. Being a motorcycle enthusiast myself, I see a little bit of myself in every one of those folks. I put myself in their exact position. I, I do that in all cases, but I understand the motorcyclist when you know, even though he's banged up and he's 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 permanently injured, he's hurt, he's laying on his on his couch or in his bed. Can you believe it that, you know, they love their motorcycle so much that one of the first things, topics of discussion is, how am I going to get my motorcycle fixed if it's fixable? I mean, that is some dedication. So most people wouldn't understand that. But if you're, in, you have this bond with this machine because the two of you are, are attached to one another for so long, you have so many experiences. But that's normally one of the, the first discussions that you have with a motorcyclist that, that's injured. Fixing my bike. Right. Yes, sir. You want to get back on yeah. and, and they may not be able to ride that bike for months, if not years, in some cases. But darn it, they want their motorcycle yeah. fixed. That's what I love about them. And they are, motorcyclists are some of the most dedicated people to their hobby. Or their, I guess you call them. Their yes, and I've met older people that unfortunately... You know, they, they get to the point that they're physically infirm or incapable. You know, they're, that's something that's still near and dear to the heart. They'll hold on to that motorcycle even if they can only ride it a couple times out of the year. Sometimes they'll convert it to a trike or get a trike, but they always want to be in the wind. It's, it's the independence. It's the joy of motorcycling. It's the camaraderie of the people that they've, they've met. 
they don't want to let that go. Otherwise, they're they're stuck in a car. And and, and I'm I like I, I like muscle cars. I like red blooded American cars. But going to a car show is not the same as being around motorcycle people. Not even close. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally yeah. get it. Mm-hmm. So, what's your view on helmets? I think those who ride should decide, and I know that that's a really divisive type of um, discussion between riders and non-riders, um, people in cars, even within the motorcycle community, there's a lot of riders that are staunch advocates that um, think that a mandatory helmet law is the route to go. Personally, I think that all riders should decide what's in their best um, in their best interest. Personally, I ride mainly without a motorcycle helmet. Um, obviously, if I go through a state that's a motorcycle requirement, I'm going to wear it. I've in Florida, I've worn a, a helmet when it's extremely cold out in high traffic areas. Like if I'm on I-4, um, there's typically going to be a helmet on my head, um, but and in the rain uh, for sure. But again, my choices shouldn't be. I personally believe that my choices shouldn't have to be everyone else's choices. Right. And, and I think that there's also a difference between the novice motorcyclist, the guy that hasn't ridden for maybe a year or two, as compared to a guy that's been riding for 20 or 30 years. Uh, I've seen guys in their 60s that their riding ability is so phenomenal that some novice riders would like to ride within 25% of their, their limitations. Right. So, yeah, I hear that, you know, wearing a helmet is safer, okay? Not necessarily. But then I I hear that wearing a helmet can sometimes restrict your side vision, restrict some, you're hearing horns honking and hearing some noise. Well, that's true. And so that, uh, you know, in a way, not wearing helmet has its advantages. Well, the, that is absolutely true. Um you get into issues of what type of helmet are you actually wearing. Now, if I'm going to wear a helmet, I'm going to wear a, a DOT compliant helmet that's supposedly been tested for some degree of crashworthiness. But if you're wearing a full face helmet, I've found that the ability to hear the noises of the cars that are next to you and things like that are very limited. Uh, also, because the visors themselves are so small on these helmets, um, you're per, uh, Perception, peripheral um, vision is obscured or, or limited. And it's hard to turn your head to be able to uh, catch all the things that are happening around your surroundings. So yes, you got that issue. Then you have um, this, the, the other helmets that some of them may look like half helmets, but yet they have um, your ears closed off. So you still have the same hearing problems. And I've, I've seen studies, I, I don't put a lot of faith in some of these studies, um, but there's issues as to whether or not if you're in a crash, whether or not having something of a significant weight, like a helmet strapped underneath your chin, causes more damage than you may normally have. Um, almost like a, a, a chicken neck type of situation um, that it may actually cause cervical or spinal damage as compared to if you were not. Uh, wearing a helmet. A lot of guys I've I've seen that go down, they're they're receiving road rash over a great majority of their, their body, but fortunately 
Most of them don't immediately make contact with their head. Right. Interesting. Interesting. So, Lawrence, it's been great having you. I could sit here and talk to you all day about motorcycles. Absolute pleasure, sir. Because it's, it's a fun subject to talk about. But uh, So, from now, we're going to go. But if anybody has any questions about motorcycles in general or motorcycle law or uh, injury law, how do they get in touch with you? What's your email? Lawrence at brookslawgroup.com. So Lawrence at brookslawgroup.com. And uh, just shoot him an email. He'll be glad to dialogue with you, answer questions. Um, really nice guy, easy to talk to. If you have any questions for me, it's Steve at brookslawgroup.com. Hopefully my next week my voice will come back. I have a pretty severe case of laryngitis, but uh, I'm on the mend and it's getting better. So, Lawrence, again, thanks for joining me, and um, we'll look forward to seeing you next week for Wednesday's Inside Look by Brooks. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.